Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, anywhere you find your podcast. Don't forget, NumbBillsFan.com has all of our content. Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast or podcast number 129. I'm your host, David Palermo, and on the line with me is Kevin Masseri, but we will get to him in one minute. Don't mean to tease you, Kevin. Um, real quick, don't forget, Grandstand Sports Network, part of them. Check them out, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. Shoot them a follow on Twitter, Grandstands underscore SN, and on Instagram, Grandstand Sports. Also, follow all the other Locked On podcasts. There's many brands on there. Cover One is now transferred over to Locked On Bills. Big announcement. We'll get into it with Kevin in a second. But again, I've been on the sidelines, and so has Kevin, and so have a couple other people for Grandstand Sports Network. Please make sure you check that out. Also, don't forget PunchDrunkSports.com. I always talk about it. Uh, great podcast at PunchDrunk. We cover the bills for the Grandstand or Grandstand for the PunchDrunk Sports Comedy Podcast Network. So comedians who cover a sports team. I'm the one, David Palermo, your host for the bills. So Numb Bills fan is that one. And also NumbBillsFan.com. If you want to support the show, there's an Etsy link. I got some shirts up there. Whatever you want to do goes back into like website costs and stuff. Nonetheless, on the line with us, just had camp, training camp, day 11. Um, I was up on the sidelines. It was Anquan Bolden's first day. was really stoked to see what he could do, and damn, I was impressed. But um, on the line with us is Kevin Masseri. Uh, what's up, Kevin? What's going on, Dave? How are you guys doing today? Well, me alone. And my dogs are outside, and I've got the window open, looking nice. at nature, making sure they don't run away because they might eat people. So, um, <laughs> just pretty stoked on Anquan Bolden today. Uh, I think he showed up. He looks like a goddamn, like, he has, like, tight end muscles. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and if you look at it, Anquan Bolden plays a very similar role to a tight end, especially now in his career where he's uh, uh, from the slot. He goes through the uh, middle of the field often, and he's a catcher's machine, always has been, and he's not afraid to get hit and popped by linebackers and by safeties. So I think he plays as like a tight end two in your system as well as a wide receiver three. Um, you get a lot of versatility there, and yeah, absolutely. So he's, he's going to show up a little bit bigger, more of a tight end. He's not going to run your 4-3 speed like a Sammy Watkins, but he's going to give you catches, and he's going to be open um, just with his you know, with his just savvy route running, kind of like a Stevie Johnson, uh, but more polished. So um, really good addition to the team, especially that's lacking a tight end too. I'll say he is a uh, professional. To me, yeah. to my naked amateur eye, I don't know crap, but to me, he looked money. He looked on. I was not disappointed at all in what I saw from Mr. Bolden. And I'll say, too, an interesting setup. You had Sammy Watkins on the outside on the left, Bolden in the slot to the left, and then I believe he had O'Leary on the right. I'm not sure if his hand was in the ground or not, just because I was on the other side of the field. From that, but then you had Charles Clay split out wide on the right, and it's like, oh, okay, this is sweet, you know. So like, I'm really stoked to just. It just felt like being out there. There was another gear that the Bills hit sure. today. It just felt like, oh damn, I heard Sammy Bolden out there, 
81, 14, let's go. So I'm like, oh, shoot. So I got my phone out after tweeting something really quick. So I hit World Star Camps. I kept it upright. Posted a 7, seven, seven on 7 video of Anquan Bolden. First rep with Tyrod Taylor, as far as I know. First rep, thrown over the middle, into the secondary, and dude would have been in for a touchdown, ran it all the way. Granted, I don't know if he would have got popped. I'm not sure, but posted that video up on Reddit, and I got shredded, which is hilarious because I posted World Star Cam. So hopefully you get the joke, the sarcasm, already hating myself for not having landscape view. Let's just <laughs> roll with it here. But, uh, yeah, so it was uh, nice to see that connection right out the gate, and I got really excited because you're seeing 81 and 14. Like, damn. Like, this is really happening. You got a guy that is a possession machine. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what were you hoping yeah. to hear? Well, let, let me get in on Bolden here, as we, you know, we've said over on uh, on our podcast, uh, Locked on Bills now. Um, what is really interesting to me is Anquan Bolden's ability to get open across the middle, which is something that Tyrod's taken heat from, you know, pretty much from the beginning of his days of starting under Rex Ryan and Greg Roman and Anthony Lynn were his ability to not find those open middle field receivers like Charles Clay. Now with Charles Clay and Anquan Bolden, it gives him another look across the middle uh, to help him find a receiver in the areas that he's struggling. Um, that can only, as Nate Geary alluded to, alluded to on our podcast, you know, it, it only gives him less excuses um, as a quarterback now that he has another weapon. And look, I think the roster offensively, I'll speak offensively is as strong as I've seen since my younger days of covering the team, just, just loosely um, between the offensive line, which I think is strong, the wide receiver rep weapons, the tight end options, as well as your, you know, top five running back uh, and an above average quarterback. I, I really look at it as a really strong built like a Kansas city chiefs team, a really very strong 10 and six roster. And, you know, I, all of us have said before um, it could be the year, but really within the next season or two, it really is the year with this, this type of roster that is built on the offensive side of the ball. Let me piggyback off that. Um, you want to know something funny is if I feel if Tyrod Taylor today proved to me, if Tyrod Taylor can trust that the dude is going to be in the right spot, he's going to get the rock to him. That's right. not, I think if you pop on the damn game tape, that is the damn truth. And if you listen to Tyrod Taylor talk, uh, if you caught my Periscope, Numb Bills fan on the Twitter, I'm sure Grandstand Sports Network retweeted it as well. Um, you know, Tyler Taylor talks about being in the West Coast offense like you guys did on yesterday's podcast for Lockdown Bills slash Right Now Cover One podcast if you're looking for it. Um, you, Nate, and <coughs> excuse me, and Eric were talking about it. It's, it's, it's in the feet. You know what I mean? And, and Tyler Taylor echoed that same sentiment today at his press conference like, you know, you could be in the right spot, but you feel that you, the guy's open, but you're still wrong. You know, you should have caught that a lot earlier and paid attention to your... T everything is timing. And I think the more you can rein in Tyrod Taylor and, and get things systematically down, that takes away a lot of thinking. And I, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, they worry that, okay, well, you know, Nate was bringing up, he's not an anticipatory thrower. Um anticipatory did i even say that right I look, I, yeah yes yes i look at it like you know i agree with nate but very rarely do we actually have an opportunity to be patient and right. with this bills organization you got lorenzo alexander now you have kyle williams still in the fold you got vets man now you got bolden 
you got a guy who's going to be in the right spot. Let's give Tyrod Taylor the chance, but I agree with you guys in your podcast 110%. There's no excuses for weapons. That said, I think if Tyrod Taylor trusts the dude, he's getting on the rock. That's not an issue. Absolutely. And, I mean, look, I like Tyrod more than most. I think he has a nice savviness. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low, um, which kind of in that sense reminds me of like an Aaron Rodgers um, on the mindset front. So I think those are all things that work in his favor. Um, the guys like him. He was pretty much that's tiebreaker in being able to get a guy like Bolden. Um, Tyrod's ability alone um, and potential of, of maybe a winning season is what got Anquan to sign here out of Florida, out of a retirement situation. So if you look at all those things, Tyrod Tyler's a good recruiter. He was actually also close to Jeremy Macklin as well as Shady McCoy. Um, so th- there's a lot to be said about a guy that you want to play for rather than a pompous um, statue type of quarterback that comes in with no personality that no one wants to play for, um, who we've had in the past uh, that, that have quarterback this team. Um, so I, I really look at Tyrod as an above average quarterback. I look at him in the top 15 in the, in this, in the league. Um, I look at him as an ability 10 to 10 to 15 range in ranking the ability to go to the playoffs with the right team. Um, last year, it wasn't necessarily, he did have some bad moments, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. The reason, you know, we didn't get to where we wanted to be. The defense was porous. Um, you know, with our points per game scored in the top 10, we should have made the playoffs on an offensive side of the ball. Our defense was awful. Um, and I think that those are corrected now back to the four, three seem more similar to a Greg, uh, to a, excuse me, to a Jim Schwartz uh, defense and a four, three, you know, we will run a little wide nine like he had. And our, and our linebackers are in good shape. Look, everyone's giving heat to Reggie Ragland for kind of falling to the third team, but I think it's more he needs the wraps. I don't think he'll be in for, on the third team long. Um, there's been players in the past that have dropped that far. You know, Dolphus Washington did. You look at um, guys like in the past, at least Robert Woods was taking third team reps last year or uh, two years ago whenever Rex Ryan first came in. So I do think there's – at this point in camp, it's not even the first preseason game. You can't go based on where his reps are getting. I think that's more to give Gerald Hodges some backup middle linebacker reps. And I do think you see Reggie Ragland switch to the strong side um, sooner rather than later to take reps away from Lorenzo because he can't play forever. So I don't know, man. Um, Lorenzo looks very spry oh, yeah, looks, out there. In, in his mind, it's like, dude, he, he had this play today where the Tyra Taylor was throwing, doing some kind of roll out play action thing that they've been doing yep. um and lorenzo alexander is literally just standing there just like do and then darius is there and kyle's there you know like it was just they sniffed it out the the, the bills defense is i mean the defensive line they're really smart and if you look at lorenzo alexander i can't imagine him being 300 pounds i got to shake right. the dude's hand last week and right um Man, I can't and believe I'm how... I'm with you, Dave. I think, I think Lorenzo's great, man. I think he's develops like late in his career to be a very good player and a very good uh, veteran and a really good guy with the community. Um, you know, almost like an Anquan Bolden of the defense to where he's going to be there. He's going to put in the work. Um, he's going to be one of your stalwarts on the defense, on the defense as well as still get some special teams time. You can't say enough for I the guy. I just like that we don't got to um, rush into Raglan is what I'm trying to say no, to no, agree and, with and you. No, we don't. You know what I mean? If like, he, it's nice to have Zoe there in shape, ready to go, and we can slowly let Raglan acclimate himself to a new defense. I asked him uh, last week, you know, are you picking up this defense faster then the last defense, like, no, it's a whole new defense for me. And I thought, like, well, being a 4-3, I thought maybe, like, his linebacker responsibilities would be a lot simpler. 
but he's never played in a four three since high school. So right. uh we went over that on our last podcast together. So if anybody wants that conversation, um a couple Absolutely. podcasts back. But um as far as I want to get back to Tyrod, um sure. Tyrod, we've gone over his faults obviously. But uh, what I like about this is I'm seeing backup quarterbacks hitting these guys in between zones, and that lets me know, okay, well, if Tyrod Taylor does fail, I think these guys are smart enough. Like, Peterman looks good. I think he looks nice. I even think I even see TJ Yates connecting with Streeter a lot. You know, like, these, hey, yeah. these guys aren't scrubs, man. Maybe it's just camp, but I have not seen quarterbacks this consistent in a while. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm a homer. Maybe my eyes aren't open. There could be people who are like reporters, people on the team, within the team that maybe think I'm just like the biggest homer ever. But like, I don't think it's bad. You know, like I was kind of a little no, worried I mean, about Tyrod for a second. Dave, but. you can go anywhere for negative coverage. And, you know, a lot of us here on, on, on our network don't present a lot of negative angles because you can read that other places. We have a specific guy at camp every year that's basically going to give you the negative things going on. So I'm going to give you the positive things going on. Um, I'm, gonna, and, I'm know, honestly going to go objective. I don't even want to yeah. say positive. I want to say objective. Because sure. I don't want I don't want to pull bullshit over people's eyes either, you know. But I will say it's like, you know, we've been looking for Tyrod Taylor to throw over the middle. Well, he, he got a nice ball over to Clay and 11-on-11s over the middle. He got one to... I, I take that back, though, 7-on-7, seven seven, but because um, I can't well, film 11-on-11. 11 11. I did get that one on film on 7-on-7. Seven and, seven. and, Dave, I'll give you an objective take, too. I mean, and, and I don't like to present players, and there's there's a couple players in our roster who get significant time that I don't like. I think we need to upgrade punter. But anyways, if you look at— Oh, by the way, uh, I had a thought about the punter. Uh, one thing I did notice is how do you upgrade the punter if Colton Schmidt is the regular holder most of the damn time? I don't think that punter is getting supplanted. I really well, don't, man. You got to remember I, that mm. Austin Rico, I believe I just read is how you say it. I don't know if that's true or not, but Austin Rico, the backup punter, kicker, and um, uh, kickoff guy, is going to learn how to, to hold the ball. I mean, that's just it's that's going, a part of he, He's going to learn how to hold the ball for a Super Bowl champion within a week of a preseason game? I don't know, man. That's crazy. That, well, that was like well, the I mean, one tell the I had was – if I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off, but like the one tell I had was like, wait a second. If Colton Schmidt is holding the ball regularly and we got to get a guy some reps to hold the damn ball, it's like – and nothing, nothing against his ability to hold the ball. A, you don't know how good of a holder he really is because it's hard to tell unless he botches it. But B, I will say, how do you know he was good? Dan Carpenter shanking extra points, missing kicks. Um, I don't. How does that? How does that say one way or another whether he's a good mm. holder or not? Um, if you look at it, it okay. it's, it's not always being a former punter kicker myself. Um, it's not always about you know the outcome of the kick. There's about three or four factors, and the offensive line even plays a role in this. Um, to, to missing a kick, and you don't know that the holding situation's good. I'll say one thing straight up. You give me a year to learn how to hold the football, I'll be able to do it in, in for an NFL team. I don't. I think it's the easiest thing on the field to do. So um, I do think that that shouldn't win him the job if he is a good holder. Um, but anyways, transitioning to the offense. Can we again, just hire Mormon to be a holder? He could. Sure, you'd, we'd waste a roster spot. That's the biggest problem That's with it. That's not a waste. Um, uh, maybe. Yo, Tol- Mike Tolbert was calling Hauschka. Come on, house money. Come on. <laughs> it was so funny. That is awesome. 
Um, but another guy I don't think that has played very well is Andre Holmes. I, I think for his opportunities that he's received, mm-hmm. and he's a very good special teams guy, and I won't take that away from him, which will probably earn him a spot on the roster. Right. But Dave, let me give you an opinion on why he won't make the team. Um, a, you signed Anquan Bolden. B, you have younger players behind the team like Zay Jones um, and uh, Dakeel Shorts. Um, but I'll give you I'll give you an even better reason, because you can have a guy like Philly Brown do about the same amount of work as um, Andre Holmes costs a little bit less, which is great, but not play a role in the compensation formula, which Bean has admitted to thinking about. So if you think about it from that way, cutting Andre Holmes at some point um, in the first before the first week. And I, I read all the way up to week 10, but I don't know if this is true. He would actually go. He would actually not count for the compensation formula, meaning, Dave, that. You know, the third round pick that we lost from Gilmore um, could be back in play. So is Andre Holmes and Ryan Davis worth keeping over a third round pick? No. So I do think you need to think about the future a little bit and what you're gaining with those two players, especially with a guy like Philly Brown and Anquan Bolden behind um, Andre Holmes and a guy like Eddie Yarbrough, who's played really well behind Ryan Davis. I think um, I, I, I think Andre Holmes has been honestly disappointing. I agree. I agree. And I, I didn't like him off the <laughs> bat because I won't get off the fact that he was in a pass happy offense. He couldn't see the field with two good receivers, which should help you. Pete, um, uh, Oakland runs three and four wide receiver sides. So don't give me the excuse that, you know, he had better players in front of him. He did. However, he should only be more open from that. Um, Here's the only he, problem. He fell behind Seth Roberts. So to me, look, I don't think Andre Holmes presents anything at this stage of his career. What? I think he's a great gunner. So I will give him the special teams credit, but I, I haven't seen anything from a receiving side of things. I mean, for a cap hit, uh, $1.4 million, I mean, it's okay. It ain't awful. It's not terrible, but, but Dave, if you, but you, if you, you cut him, like, does the dead cap come in no matter what if you cut him I w- it depends right now? on his contract. I'd, I'd have to look at his, uh, at his contract. Because I'm on SpotTrack.com, and um, what does it say for his, dead his dead cap is $2.45 million, So, I mean... Okay. You know, so that's a lot of money, and it says yearly cash is two, two point five. So, well, and the signing bonus is five fifty. Work out of fifty. Base salary. If you hover over it, what does it say for post June one cap? Um. Says post. Says pre six one. Okay, so post six one release dead cap will be one point three five. Okay, so he'd so, basically be free to keep. So that ha- that is working in his favor. But remember, remember again, it, it isn't necessarily over the money um, because you, it it is a cap hit, but you wouldn't be spending actual cash, which is important. But B, um, you know, it is playing a role in that compensation formula to where if he's the last player that matters to get you a third round draft choice, a top hundred pick, um, you're probably going to go ahead and cut the guy unless he's played well. So I, all I'm saying is. To, to couple the conversation about targets and Tyrod Taylor, I don't see he's the current number two receiver, and I have not seen number two receiver ability out of him yet. I've seen maybe fifth and sixth receiver ability, but I have not seen that number two receiving ability that he should be playing in front of Bolden and Zay Jones, which, you know, in the next two weeks, I do believe he'll immediately go down to like the fourth or fifth guy. I'll um, tell and then you have Rod, you have Rod Streeter and Philly Brown. Mm, I, don't, I don't know, man. Dude, I was just going to tell you, man, Rod Streeter, man. Rod right. Streeter, okay? There is no dead cap if you caught him. If Rod Streeter can play special teams and can be catching that rock on a consistent damn basis and he catches everything thrown to him, I will guarantee you he is worth the cut 
Andre Holmes to keep him. That could be, you know what I mean? Because, man, during the season, it's like, this is why I don't do message boards. It's right here. I can't keep having the same damn conversation about sure. stuff until we get to training camp. Like, the offseason is so hard to talk about shorts football because on paper, every year, I fall into these guys over measurables. Man, how they not have this? And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. And And you really have to perform under pressure in front of coaches, fans, everybody in the likes. And it's like, man, just you hear things when you're on the sidelines. You hear coaches yelling at certain players and stuff. I will never repeat what's going on. You know, but um, it's like you you hear things and you wish these people the best because you don't – you hear the certain tone. Right. Uh, and and yeah. it's like, it's like, damn, dude, like – I don't know. To be okay. honest with you, I think they've been waiting. I think they've been waiting, Kevin. Like, hey, sit home. Here's the playbook. Here, you know what's going on because Bolden came in. He did not look out of place one iota. This Bills team. One thing I'm noticing is camp usually for me is, oh well, we're gonna take our time a little bit. We're gonna, you know, we're just breaking in the playbook. Gonna do some more install. No, no, no. These guys look like they're firing all cylinders. Now, maybe I'm just nuts and not really optimistic, and they got me thinking that way. But well, if you want to go down the conspiracy theory alley, hey, open competition. We got Anquan Bolden on the line. That means you guys need to step the fuck up, right? So what happens? Well, you pretty much had a pile of muck. At the receiver position, where, as Chris Brown said, is uh, from buffalobills.com, Chris Brown, he goes, you can pretty much take a, a pile of sticks and throw them up in the air and pick them up. You don't know what that's going to offer. So now Bolden is there, first day at camp, taking reps with the ones. Okay, we obviously know what the deal is, so now let's figure out the depth chart behind him. And if you got to cut a guy and have that eat you $1.5 million on the cap to $2.5 million on the cap, that's probably what you're doing. Right. And, I mean, and the compensation if you, if, if you think about it, and it, it's funny that everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't care about the compensation formula, but Green Bay and New England play the compensation formula, and they're in the, the divisional playoff game every year. So mm-hmm. I think you need to think about it. I think if you're going to inherit a free third-round pick in a team that could use, they have two firsts next now, year. How does, that, how does that work again? Can you break that down one more time? Sure, and, and compensation formula is something I've followed since we've lost guys like uh, Woods and Gilmore. But here's how the compensation formula looks. Anyone that makes over veteran minimum. So if you're a veteran minimum guy, you don't count. Um, and anyone that was signed prior to June 1st was either June 1st or an arbitrary day in May. So anyone signed now, to, like Bolden, doesn't count. Um, so it was anyone signed previous to camp and previous to like mandatory OTAs. So. A qualifying player, so however many qualifying players you lost, call it five. I think the Bills lost about, I think it was four or five. The Bills so, are really bad at this game. Let's just set no, it out. They're, they're the they're, fucking they're worst team at the conference. I'm like, how do you lose this guy, this guy, this guy? And you're telling me we're not, we lose Gilmer, we're not getting anybody. Like, what the Well, here's f- why, Dave, because it's about, you can't just go and lose players and then go re- recoup it by signing players. So what the Bills end up doing every chasing, year, chasing, a guy chasing. like Patrick DeMarco counts against the formula because you gave him over veteran minimum and he's going he's gonna to cancel out one of the guys you lost. So when you're losing two, it's not about money value until it's you have It's only veteran minimum. 
Over vet uh, minimum, then everything's axed, huh? Correct. So if Shit. you count everything over vet minimum, which we end up getting away with, like Hodges was a vet minimum, Streeter, uh, Philly Brown, those were all vet minimum deals. However, anyone over vet minimum, um, I think Street, Streeter's below. I think he's. I think I just saw seven seventy five for the whole year. Come on, man, that kid is yeah, a bang for the buck. Yeah, he's a vet minimum guy. Now, if you if you, here's the thing to think about for all the listeners. It's so if you do have a loss of players, let's say you lost five qualifying guys and and you only gained four, you have a loss of one player, which you're going to get a pick for. Now, what pick that is, is based on the dollar amount. So that's where the dollars matter. So that's why you need to cut three guys, most namely Ryan Davis, Andre Holmes and Vlad Dukas, that you can bring back in week one or two and not have them count against a compensation formula. New England's been doing it for 15 years where they'll cut a guy uh, right at the cuts and tell them basically, hey, we're bringing you back week two because it doesn't count for the formula. And your salary's not guaranteed any longer if you're not on the week one roster. So that's the big thing to remember with a guy like Streeter, although he's an $800,000 player, his whole contract is guaranteed the second he makes the week one roster, so meaning you can't ever cut him that season because you're going to pay him the full amount anyway. So you can't, which isn't true for non-vets, like guys like Dakeel Shorts, guys that are making uh, undrafted free agent money. You can move those guys around and not have a, and not have a cap hit or a cash hit. So there's a lot to think about on the money end of things when you're putting together your 53-man roster that a lot of times you're like, you know what, this player played better. However, that's on your 53rd man, you're not always thinking about, you know, if, is he a little bit better? You're thinking about how much does he cost me and at what point is the value overriding the player? It makes sense. And, and, and I think with this new regime, it's new thinking, new top to bottom. Uh, Brandon Bean's out there on the field. I mean, this guy's aware. He's... He's, I don't know. I, I hope they Brandon figure it out. A stud general man, young general manager. I don't know. It's Who early yet, man. It's so early. I'm not going to crown this it's, guy anything yet. It's, it's early, but he has the makings to be a stud general manager. And just due to the fact that Carolina was doing anything they could to keep him and would have kept him as their general manager had they fired um, their general manager earlier in the season. So I don't think you can say how good his personnel decisions are going to be yet, but as a moxie, as how he carries himself – and how he um, how he is in general, which would have the makings of a solid general manager. So one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Sean McDermott brought up between the fields crop rotation and sure. uh, as presser. And I'll be honest, I buy it. I believe him. But make no mistake. Is it a coincidence that a lot of that 11 and 11 is happening on that side field? Because my first thought about going to camp when I first started going, like actually paying attention really closely, like, um, I would notice that there was like this one dude just right in the middle of the stands. He popped out a tripod with a damn like decent quality camera on in Bill's gear, and I'm like thinking like, how hard is it to find somebody to do that and send the tape over to another team? You know, especially if you're Bill Belichick, you got the resources, and people think that's like crazy. No, it's really not. It's really not. You know, somebody could send somebody else a damn email that covers a team. Hey, you want to make money? Yeah, sure. Let me know what's going on. Right? Sure. Yep. And, and it's like, I think on the side field, I, it's great. I don't know. Like you're saying, I don't know that I buy the crop rotation. I do think that that's deliberate. So I guess I can leave it there. Um, exactly. Exactly. I think it's, uh, I think it's, a, it's a lot. Dude, you, you can't get a good angle on what the hell's going on. 
on the side. So. You're, I can't really get a good perspective, man. It's like going to an NFL game versus going to a high school football game. You know what I'm saying? You're so far back in the stands, you know, and, and I'm so up close. Excuse me, I gotta look through players. And you are you done? Are you done with Camp Dave, or do you have one no? I'm going something? back on Tuesday the fifteenth, the last day. Okay. Yes. Okay, I have the la- other days, so I am there Friday, Sunday, Monday. So Kevin Masser E on Twitter, K E V I N M A S S A R E. Okay. Um. So I'll be there Friday, which is actually a closed practice. So I'll be able to bring you, be one of the only people that can bring you what's going on in that practice. So. Friday, I'll be there the day after the game. I'm not sure how much will be going on, but there'll be some good interviews. So look out for that. Um, Sunday, I'll be there as well, uh, live podcasting from the WGR tent with Nate Geary um, and Monday. And then Dave will be there Tuesday. And real quick, I just want to go over with you. Um, just uh, if you want, want to know who's starting, who's not, what's going on. But Sean McDermott pretty much said that uh, the ones are going to go a quarter, maybe even sure. more. So... Um, I'm excited to see the twos and the threes, and I get really excited right off the bat, and then I go to these games, and I'm like, shit, why am I here? But now since I've been there. I I love being there until the end. I love being there now. I'm more excited now because I've had access to see what's going on instead of just read speculation. You know what I mean? And now I got to see my own eyes. And and one one tandem, I actually was uh, walking with him back towards the locker room, uh, Wes Saxton. How you even pronounce his name right? Is it Saxon or Saxon? I'm sorry. Uh, tight uh, end. Saxon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a tight end that Nate Peterman really likes. And I was like, yo, yeah. man, number two likes you, huh? He goes, yeah, man. I go, I see that connection out there. He goes, yeah, dude, I hope, we, I hope we got it on Thursday. hope we got it on Thursday because that's a guy that when you're talking about a six foot four, two thirty five, 235, South Alabama, a couple years in the league, I mean, right. he's a big man, dude, and Peterman has been looking for him, and anytime shit breaks down, boom, to the right side, you got him down for a check down or a swing, like whatever you want to call it. Well, tight end's an interesting position, too, because um, if you – well, you know what you should watch, Dave. You should watch – I'll give the listeners something to watch, some homework. You should watch um, – uh, all or nothing about the Rams. Now, okay, it's the Rams. However, the series is so well made on Amazon, and our tight ends coach was their offense was the Rams' offensive coordinator. And you get to see an inside look into him, and you get to see an inside look into his move to Buffalo at the end of the show, and kind of you know what he's working with now. So I, I would I would recommend checking that out. At least watching the seventh and eighth episode um, of the series, if not the whole thing, and get an inside look into the tight ends um, because look. I, everyone's a shoe in for thinking we keep three, but the way we run our offense, do not be surprised if a guy like Wes sneaks onto the team as the fourth tight no, end. No, dude, dude, there's, dude, not to cut you off, there's a lot of tight ends. Yeah. There's a lot of tight ends, and they're all no smaller than six foot three. And guess who's six three? Nick O'Leary and Charles Clay. Right. So, I mean, dude. West Saxon. I don't think Nick O'Leary is a shoe in to make the team. I do think they I like think him. He is. I think he is. You think he is? Yeah. We'll see. I think Logan Thomas is, but I don't think it's a shoe in that three players team. I think they keep three running backs, one being Mike Tolbert. Um, mm. I don't know that there's another guy that's worth rostering not on your practice. Dude, I haven't, put a, I haven't put a depth chart together yet. but um, I think it's three, to, or three running backs, um, four with, with, with uh, DeMarco. I think it's four there, and then you go four tight ends. Um, 
that's per- currently how I have it projected, and either Kroom or Sexton are going to make the team as your fourth guy. What about there. what about Tobridge or Kroom? Who do you like between those well, two? Well, Tobridge was cut for um, Bolden. Um, I'm sorry. I did not get the updated depth chart, and that was actually in my notifications. Duh. And and Kroom does have a shot. Yeah, they like Kroom. I saw him mixing in with the ones at times. He has a big preseason. I think him versus West could be a real big battle for the last man on the roster. So, plus they they both can play on kick kick uh, kickoff return. So, um, I think you have some ability there that you'll keep them over a guy like uh, Cedric O'Neill at running back. One guy that I keep noticing running around a lot is uh, twenty two, Banyard. He seems to get yards. Okay. Well, a guy like him has a real uphill battle to make. He, but on, on the third team, on the third team today, though, he he just kept getting yards. It was weird. Yeah, I was just the like the one just rarely day. keeps this roster development. You rarely keep that player unless he's really good in preseason. You rarely keep that guy. You're hoping he lands on your practice squad. So, I mean, if you're the Bills. I think you got to develop these receivers. I, I could really. Uh, I agree with Dakeel Shorts. I think that's why Andre Holmes could be facing a uh, cut. Too, I was just even... looking at that on my list when I said that. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Because if you keep a guy like him, you free up cap money and you get the ability to develop him as uh, you make him inactive anyways. And you develop him with Anquan Bolden and some of your other vets. Um, and I do think that that might present more value keeping him and Philly Brown over uh, Andre Holmes and Jeremy Butler. Very, very true. Um, trying to see what else I had in my notes. Um, so today at the presser, um, Sean McDermott really made a lot of player comparisons pretty much back to essentially how Bolden is brought in for leadership and how guys yada, yada, yada. Um, also the backup center position. He mentioned he, he comped the guys at Khalil, uh, Peanut Tillman. Or not Peanut Tillman, I'm sorry. Um he just made these connections of players in Carolina that came in and really. Uh, yeah, he mentioned uh, Jericho Cotchery. Yeah, yeah, and and how awesome that is, and and it could be all hot smoke, but I mean, well, let's call it how it is. I don't think the Ravens would have won the Super Bowl without Ray Lewis, and I really mean that because he's so he's so smart, he's so like just in the pocket right. of the game of football you know right. he knows all the tricks i mean anquan bolden is going to show these guys how to work and frankly i think anquan bolden is the one that not only gets zay jones right out the gate to work like a pro which i'm sure he's already been doing the best he can but because right. he's got his his receivers coach so he's i think a notch above a regular rookie so number two Anquan Bolden's the kind of guy where he he could really sway. He could really sell Sammy Watkins on Buffalo. He could really be like, look, man, if you know the system and when you had a good year, you know the system, and they love you here, you're crazy if you don't at least sign for a couple of years here. You right. know, so um, and, and that's exactly why, you know, we talk about the Bills not picking up their option, Watkins' option, which was, uh, I believe, Doug Whaley was still here for that. Um, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, which is okay because it offers them flexibility. But now you got Anquan Bolden in, and why? And what if Bolden balls out? Why wouldn't you sign him back again? You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe not. But it's like if Sammy Watkins comes to fruition, make no mistake, I, I could see the Bills keeping Sammy Watkins. I really could. And you're going to have a decision with Tyrod, but... 
that Bolden's competitive and the team is competitive a little bit more than Detroit was last year, I think you could maybe see him playing a final year here if he's still producing. I don't think that's completely out of the question, um, but there'd have to be a lot of factors there. Right, right. Also, I like that Sean McDermott puts a priority on the center position when asked about yes. Groy. Because, I mean, we've seen it. No no dig on uh, certain other coaches because I, I probably like them. But, I mean, we saw what happened when we had other positions playing backup center. So, uh, you know, like, sure. it wasn't too promising in the past. Um, but there's one guy I wanted to ask you about. Um, Eddie Yarbo. Yarborough. I can't even pronounce his name right. Um, he's been cool. making uh, Eddie Yarbrough defensive lineman. Yes, yeah. He's been he's, getting first team reps, man, from the third team. That's what you need in camp, man. That's how you develop a roster. We haven't had enough of that lately, so a lot of fans and other media members don't think that that's really possible. But when you're developing guys that um, Mike Waffle, our defensive line coach, has is also on the was watching the um, the Amazon show for um, he basically verified and helped find Eddie Arbrough to be a guy to, to, to designate him as a backup off uh, defensive lineman and has played well. I mean, he's going to make the team at this point, bearing a really bad preseason, um, but he's had a great camp. And if he's going to get to the quarterback in preseason, uh, you're going to see him easily as the third guy, thus again, making a guy like Ryan Davis, who's also hurt, expendable, and maybe looking for a defense, a fourth defensive end in cuts um, and not playing into that compensation for talk about for a top 100 pick so um eddie yarbrough has been a nice surprise at a nice position group that we've needed front four is very strong having a guy like you know worthy adolphus washington and eddie yarbrough playing pretty well um can only help the case there anything you want to know from me from camp um i think i'm pretty much good for this podcast uh okay great um, i mean we talked about i mean i, I don't know I, I feel like pretty updated on camp uh, pretty stoked. I've had a good time being out there and representing Grandstand Sports Network. And Dave, if you can, you're going to have to try to make it Sunday because maybe we could pick up a podcast. I know you won't be on the field, but if you can make it Sunday, uh, maybe you could get on with us, Nate and I at some point. Yeah, where are you guys doing that? Like right at the WGR tent next to the uh, press conference. Like station. in it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you can plan on it. If it's like a certain time, I'll make sure I'm there. If you can make it, I know you can't be on the field for the rest of practice, which is lame. Um, but I, still, the rules. I wonder if I, we I could shoot. I wonder if we could shoot an email out. Actually, why am I talking uh, about this out loud? Never mind. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll make that happen. So, Kevin, tell us where you're from and what's on with uh, the Cover One podcast, just to give it a refresh. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at Kevin Nasseri. Um, you can find me on the Cover One podcast now, Locked On Bills. Um, that's where we'll be, Nate Geary, Eric Turner, and I, as well as you can find me on uh, Grandstand Sports Network doing uh, a lot of different other things and live live tweeting. And like I said earlier in the show, I'll be on the field Friday for the closed practice after the after the game. So we should have some good comments and injury recaps and things like that, um, as well as Sunday for a live show, as well as camp coverage. And then Monday, you can catch me there as Dave will pick up Tuesday. So um, that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Well, that's been Kevin Masseri from, obviously, Lockdown Bills, CoverOne.net. Um, and that's it for me. So thank you for listening. Don't forget, PunchDrunkSports.com, NumbillsFan.com, and also GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. Follow everybody. 
and any support is greatly appreciated. And I'm your host, David Palermo. Take care.